appreciate the choir having that ready this morning, being in their place. They was in here practicing this morning, and I appreciate everybody involved in that. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ruth, and uh, we'll look at the book of Ruth this morning. Hey, praise the Lord. There's only four chapters of Ruth, so I'll give you a little bit of time to find it in your Bible. Hey. It's after the book of Judges, if you want to get over to that way. It's page 348, if your Bible's like mine. Thought I'd, thought I'd help, and uh, thought I'd help. But uh, anyhow, we'll start in Ruth chapter number one, but we're going to spend some time in Ruth chapter number four. And uh, we're going to take a look at this, and uh, we'll read a few verses in chapter number one, and then we'll end up in chapter number four for quite a while this morning. And uh, I want to say thank you for being here. Visitors, I hope you found a good, warm welcome. And uh, as I always say, if you didn't, that's shame on us. Uh, we will do a better job, but we are thankful that you're here this morning and uh, thankful that I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, with family and all. And uh, we have our son, our youngest son's here this morning, Zachary. He was able to come. I think I seen Gabe back there. And so we've got two Marines here this morning, two killers amongst us. And uh, anyhow, y'all be careful. All right. But in Ruth, book of Ruth, chapter number one, if you're there, say Amen. All right, let's take a look. Verse number one, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, and there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The Bible tells us uh, in history, gives us a little bit of a history lesson here, and tells us that there was a time during the Judges, all right? So uh, this book would fit right into the previous book, all right? So during the time when Judges ruled the land, God used Judges, all right? This is before God set up a kingdom or a king in Saul. This is before 1 Samuel, but during the time of Judges, uh, this story takes place. The Bible tells us that during this time, there was a famine. In other words, there was a lack of food. Uh, no way, if you will, to really sustain yourself. And so we're told of a man. This certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. This does not mean that he moved there with the intentions of staying there. That word sojourn there means that he moved there with the intent to go back to Bethlehem, Judah. He was just moving there because there was no food for his family. His wife, his two children, and so like many of us have done, he took matters into his own hands. Now, we can go all the way back into Genesis and we can find Abraham doing this same thing, going down into Egypt from Canaan because there was a famine in the land. And it cost Abraham a great deal. As a matter of fact, if we go and we read the scripture, we find out that Abraham went into Egypt. He lied about his wife, Sarai, and he comes out of Egypt with a little servant girl by the name of Hagar. Hagar caused a lot of problems, all right? Hagar, it wasn't her fault, but uh, Hagar, because of Abraham having a child with Hagar, we have a battle that still rages over in the Middle East, all right? Because a man trusted in his own self and went down into Egypt during a famine. Here we have a story of a man by the name of Elimelech. He goes down from Bethlehem, Judah, and sojourns in Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The Bible says, and the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Melon and Chileon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Mm -hmm. Everybody all right? 
And the Bible says in verse number 3, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. So here Naomi, which by her very name means blessed, she is following her husband. He leads them down into Moab for a time while there is a famine in the land. But while down there, the Bible says they continued there. I don't know if this means that they should have went on back, but they stayed in Moab a little too long. I'm not sure. I'm not going to add to the Bible. I'm just telling you it's kind of it's odd that it says they continued there. And it's almost as if God is trying to let us know that it may have been all right to sojourn, but not to hang out for a long time. Whatever the case, what we do know, the Bible tells us, is that Elimelech died. And he left Naomi, a widow, with two boys. The Bible says in verse number four, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. A no-no. Is everybody all right? A no-no. They took them wives of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years, a little longer than sojourning. The Bible says in verse number five, And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So, let's get a picture here. Naomi is obedient to her husband. She does what her husband instructs. She follows her husband. He takes her down into Moab and their two children. The Bible says that once there, maybe they stayed too long, but Elimelech died. The two sons took unto them Moabite wives. Ten years later, the Bible says, the sons died. Now we have Naomi who was doing what she was told to do. Naomi who we can find no fault in. Is everybody all right? Naomi is there and she has lost her husband and both of her sons. Now, in these days especially, that put her in quite a predicament. Nobody to care for her Nobody to provide for her. And so here she is, broken. Can I get a witness? You would be too. I would, y'all, are y'all with me? Broken. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine not waking up next to my wife. I can't even imagine burying a child. And so, if we can, just for a moment, See it from Naomi's perspective, this was, this was tough. The Bible says, let's move over to verse number 19. I, in between where I stopped reading in verse number 19, Naomi decides that she's going back to Bethlehem, Judah. She tells her daughter-in-laws, which are both Moabites, to go back home and to go back to their families that she has absolutely nothing more to offer them. She basically says, I can't have a child and him grow up and be your husband and provide you with children. So she sets them free, if you will, and says you can go back to your family and you can live here under no, no punishment or, or, or no bad thoughts from me. Orpah says, Sounds good. I'll see you later. Ruth, who by the way, the whole book is about, says, Naomi, I'm not leaving you. Naomi, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. She says, I'm with you until the end. So the Bible tells us that the two of them, verse number 19, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is 
this Naomi. Listen, after 10 years, after the death of a husband, after the death of two men or two sons, she walks back into town and all the people say, is that Naomi? She don't look the same as she used to. There's a teaching here that I'm not going to do this morning. But I, I, I want you to go to the next verse, if you will, Miss Tracy. She said unto them, call me not Naomi, which means blessed. But call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Oh, everybody look at me. There's a lot of people that go through life that start out in life blessed, but something happens in their life and all of a sudden they become bitter. And what used to be somebody beautiful to look upon, what used to be somebody that seemed so full of life, now you look at them and say, is, is that John? It, 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 is that Mary? Why? Because bitterness changes you. I ain't got time to preach it, but it's there. Bitterness changes you. But listen, she doesn't stop there. She said, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me blessed. You need to hear this. You need to hear this, how she's saying it. Don't call me blessed. I'm bitter. For God, the Almighty, had dealt very bitterly with me. This is what she's saying. He wasn't fair to me. I'm going to move over on this side. He wasn't fair to me. I did what I was supposed to do, and I lost a son. I lost two sons. I lost a husband that I followed, that I obeyed. That I, I submitted myself to. I've done, and God dealt with me very bitterly. He, he wasn't fair to me. Verse number 21. I went out full. Look, 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 look. Who's she laying blame to? And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then do you call me Blessed. Why, why then, why should you call me Naomi? Why should you call me blessed? Seeing who? The Lord had testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Verse number 22. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. That's important. We're not going to teach it this morning, but God's timing is very important. <laughs> As we look at this this morning, I, I just want to, by introduction, say this, that many of us can look back on our lives and see some things that we regret. I mean, if you could go back, listen to me, if Naomi could go back, she wouldn't have been so obedient to follow Elimelech. Is everybody all right? I said it. She probably would have put up an argument had she known what was ahead. If she could go back, she'd probably say, no, baby, I'll follow you anywhere. But you need to think about this. You need to pray about this because this could impact our family forever. This has the potential of a seed of bitterness being injected and put into our lives that will follow us for a long time. We need to pray about this. We need to seek God's counsel on this. We need to take some time before we make this decision. I need somebody to help me this morning because I know who I'm preaching to. And I know there's some people in here that wish that they could go back in time. 
wish that they had one more chance to make that decision where they could go to the Lord and fall on their face and seek God and say, I shouldn't have done it. I need your guidance, God. If you'll tell me, I'll follow you. But we didn't, and we, we live a life that has some regrets in it. Maybe there's somebody in here that, like Naomi, blames God. God, you weren't fair to me. God, I went to church. I did everything that I was asked of me. God, I prayed. I read my Bible. God, I sought after you. God, I followed your word. I did what you told me to do. I followed a husband. I followed a word that I thought was trustworthy. And now look at my life. Look where I am. Is everybody all right? I believe that if we really got honest, all of us have that story somewhere in our past. Teenagers, you don't because you hadn't recognized your regret yet. But about 15 years from now, you'll say, man, well, I was dumb. And your mom and daddy will say, yep, you sure was. Can I get a witness? Say, preacher, you don't know that. I do. You know why? Because I remember looking back and saying, man, I shouldn't have done that. I was stupid. And my mom and daddy going, yep, you sure were. Is everybody all right? You do too. Quit acting like y'all. Quit acting like y'all all. Had it figured out. But see, this was just the start of Naomi's story. While we look at this and we have, I feel sorry for Naomi. I don't know about you. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. I feel sorry for her. Because I feel like she did what she was asked to do. And yet, everything seemed to fall apart. Nobody there really to comfort her. But God puts Ruth in her life. And God used somebody else to bring Naomi out of bitterness and back into blessed. It's not in the second chapter. Although that's the beginning of the journey. It doesn't even happen in the third chapter <laughs> as it progresses along very quickly and nicely into a very romantic story. <laughs> Is everybody all right? Y'all need to quit reading all them nasty stuff and read your Bible. There's plenty of stuff in there that's romantic. Is everybody all right? I mean, you ain't never heard Solomon, somebody like Solomon. Solomon said, man, she, she got hair like a black lamb, I think is what he said. If I said that to my wife, she'd shoot me. I need somebody to help All kind of romance in the Bible. And Ruth and Boaz. Ruth meets Boaz in a field. By the way, Ruth was working. I'll throw that in there and move on. Met Boaz in a field. And things changed. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that no matter how bad the first chapter of your life has been, no matter how ugly it's been up until this point, God's not finished. I'm going to go over and say it on this side because somebody needs to hear it. No matter how bad it is, no matter how bad the first chapter, no matter how bad the, uh, the, the book is up to here, God's not finished yet. See, that was just the first chapter. And if we stopped at the first chapter, it would be, oh, woe is me. But it's not the end of the book. It was just the beginning of the book. The end of the book, chapter number four, is where we find out that God isn't finished yet. We get to chapter number four and we find out that God has written another story. Ruth, somebody that had no right to even be in Bethlehem, Judah. Listen to this. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 23 and verse number th uh, three, an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their 10th generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. She was a Moabite. She had no right to be with the people of Israel. 
to be with the children of Israel. She had no right. But God used somebody that had no, not the man. God used somebody that had no right, no business to show us a picture of us. Stay with me. This is a Moabite, this is a Gentile, if you will. She had no right, had no right to any of the promises of the Jews, had no right to the Messiah of the Jews, had no right to anything that God had given to them, inheritance of the Jews. But here God uses her. See, chapter number one was a chapter of regret. But chapter number five, chapter number four is a, it's a chapter of redemption. It's a chapter of redemption. See, in chapter number four, we come up to a situation. Boaz, who has been taking care of Ruth, we find out in chapter number three, or chapter number two, we find out that he is a kinsman redeemer. What that means is, is that he is close kin to her, and he can buy back the land that they lost when Elimelech left, and he can also marry her and give her children to the name of Naomi's sons. As we look at this chapter, we find out in chapter number two that old, old Boaz seen Ruth working out in the field and he said, ooh, she looks good. Is everybody all right? Y'all know that's still all right. Y'all right? It's still all right for a man to say, ooh. Not, not in, now, if you're married, stay with your own wife. I'm just telling you. But this idea that, that men ought not be attracted to women, y'all crazy. Is everybody all right? That's what got this world in the mess we're in right now. Boaz seen Ruth working out there in the field and said, Woo. I remember old preacher, he, tell, he said, I, every time I look at my wife, I say, hubba, hubba. I tell Brother Dave, every time you say that, I go, ugh. <laughs> Not because his wife was ugly. Ain't nobody want that picture. Somebody say amen. But Boaz seen Ruth and said, "Woo, she's pretty. And all of a sudden, Boaz said, hey, listen, boys. When y'all go out there to glean the fields, he said, you drop some handfuls of purpose for her. So when she comes along a little bit more, don't you get on to her when she picks it up either. He said, Cause I, he didn't say it, but this is what he was saying, because I like that girl. Naomi finds out about it. She says, ooh, Ruth, we got a, I got a plan. We're going to get you married up. We're going to get you hitched up to Boaz. Chapter number three is all about that. I ain't got time for it. But chapter number four is where the plan begins to work. And we see it's a chapter of redemption. We see a man of redemption in chapter number four. The Bible says, then went out Boaz. I'm in chapter number four. If you want to get over there, you can. But then went out Bo, or went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by unto whom he said, Ho, such a one. Turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. So we know that he is a kinsman. Is everybody with me? The Bible says in verse number four, And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Now Boaz goes, because he's a, he's a kinsman, all right, but there's somebody that's closer. So before he can redeem this land and marry Ruth, he has to offer it to this other kinsman. So he pulls him aside at the gate with ten elders or ten witnesses. And he says to him, he says, now listen, Naomi sold a parcel of land and you have the right as a kinsman, as a near kinsman, as a kinsman redeemer, you can redeem it or buy it back. Is everybody all right? Y'all have heard me say that many a times. Redeemer means to buy back. To redeem something means to buy it back. And so he had the opportunity and he said, yes, sir, I'll buy it. Could you imagine how Boaz felt? 
I mean, here he is in love with Ruth and this other kinsman, he has to offer it to him first and he says, I'll buy it. But, oh, Boaz had a plan. Because in, in verse number five, let's get to it. Verse number five, then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the, land, of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Boaz had a plan. He said, you want the land? The guy said, man, I sure do. I'll buy it back. He said, now listen, if you buy it back, you got to buy back Ruth too. And you have to have children by Ruth to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. That kinsman redeemer said, whoa, wait a minute now. I want the land. I could just see this. This guy was smart. I want the land, but I already got a wife. I've got children. And bringing another woman into the house, I need everybody to hear me right here, ain't a good thing. I don't know what Solomon was thinking. I don't know what David was thinking. But you and I got enough common sense to know that two wives don't work. One wife is all that we can handle. I need somebody to say amen. Fellas ought to be shouting right now. You can't handle two of them. One of them's iffy. <laughs> hey. All the guys, all, hey, everybody that ain't married sitting back going. Everybody that's married going, you right. You right. Y'all ain't sat in my office when they in there talking about, I married Satan's spawn. <laughs> hey, let me move on. He says, hey, if you're going to buy the land, you you gotta you gotta buy the girl back too. And you're gonna have to raise some children up to her, and you're gonna have to divide an inheritance to her and those children. He said, Nope, 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 not gonna do that. Because that'll mess up what my kids are gonna get. That'll mess up the home. My, my wife ain't gonna approve of me bringing no Moabitess to the house. And so he said, I relinquish my right to redeem it. You redeem it. Is everybody with me? Y'all stay with me. Y'all going to like this. I promise you, you'll like this if you'll stay with me. So Boaz says, all right, let it be heard. All 10 of you witnesses that I brought in here, let it be heard that he refuses to redeem it. And therefore, it is passed to me. And he says, I will redeem. Not only the property, but I will redeem the woman. Stay with me right here. See, because he is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ and what he did for this Moabitess right here. For this little Gentile right here. And that little Gentile that's sitting in the seat, the one sitting next to you, the one sitting in the same seat with you. That would be you, by the way. Jesus did the same thing. See, there was requirements for a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer. He had to be kin. He had to be willing. He had to be able. And he had to pay the price in full. And so Boaz, he was kin to her. <laughs> he was willing to purchase her back. He was able, because the Bible tells us that he was a pretty rich man. And he paid the price in full. Now we take that over into the spiritual world. And you and I was that little Moabite. You and I was that little one that had no right to anything over in the land of Israel. Had no right to anything when it came to the Jews. But you and I had a kinsman redeemer. The Bible tells us back in John chapter number 1 and in verse number 1. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the 
Father, full of grace. And so Jesus, our kinsman, He came and walked on this earth as a human being. Is everybody with me? He became our kinsman, our near kinsman. But here's the thing. He was willing to go and to pay the price for you and I. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter number 2. And Philippians, let me get over there. Just No, I got it on my phone. Man, I got about 16 devices up here trying to figure out how I'm going to talk to you all this morning. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so not only was he a near kinsman, he was flesh like us, but he was willing to die for us, and he was able to do so. He was able, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 5, in verse 18 and 19, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to come, condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous he was able not only was he willing not only was he a kinsman not only was he able but he paid the price for you and I in full the bible tells us in titus chapter number 2 In Titus chapter number 2, I believe it's in verse number 14. But don't quote me on that yet. Oh yeah, that's it. It's there. It's there. Is everybody ready? Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, that's what the kinsman redeemer did for you and I. I need somebody to hear me this morning. The chapter wasn't over. The book wasn't over. The first chapter looked bad. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered to the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The first chapter did not look good. But God's writing the story. God's writing the story and there is a chapter of redemption. And in that chapter of redemption, we see the man of redemption, that being our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. We see the mercy of redemption. It was his choice. He didn't have to, but he was willing to pay the price for you and I. The motivation of redemption in chapter number four was because he loved that Gentile woman. He loved that little girl named Ruth. He loved that Moabitess. I need somebody to hear me this morning. Jesus Christ loved you and I so much that he willingly went to that cross for you and I so that he could purchase us back from the bondage of sin. He was motivated by love for her. The method of redemption in our story was unorthodox. I ain't got time to get into it. But for this to take place, the man had to take his shoe off and give it to Boaz. (laughs) Say, that's dumb. it's a custom. The Bible tells us that it was an old custom. But listen to me. The cross wasn't the way everybody thought it should go as far as our redemption either. They thought the Messiah was going to come back on a horse and conquer, but yet he came and humbled himself as a man for you and I so that he could be our kinsman redeemer. He hung on a cross in the place for you and I so that he could buy us back From sin that held us in bondage. The method of redemption in chapter number four. We see a marriage of redemption. The Bible says she became a bride. You go read chapter number four. He not only purchased back the land, but he purchased her back and they got married and they had a youngin. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But they had a youngin. A marriage of redemption. She became a bride. Can I say this? That's exactly what we are. If you saved in this building, you are the bride of Christ. And one day, you and I will take part in a marriage of the Lamb. We'll come back with Him for the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's another story, another time. 
But the mission of redemption is reproduction. The whole reason that Boaz bought her back was to give her children. I ain't got time for this. But the last chapter, God's not done. First chapter's ugly. The first chapter for Naomi was ugly, but God wasn't done. Through a kinsman redeemer, he gave her the fourth chapter, a chapter of redemption. Not only a chapter of redemption, a chapter of restoration. Chapter 4 wasn't just a chapter of redemption, it was a chapter of restoration. For in this chapter, her faith (laughs) was restored. Her faith was restored. In chapter number 1, she said, God did this to me. God afflicted me. God did all of this. Chapter number two, she found out about Boaz and she said, man, the Lord has blessed us. Is everybody all right? Her faith was restored. I need somebody to hear me. The first part of your life and the first chapter of your life could have been ugly, but it may be that God's just trying to restore your faith. And to do so, you're going to have to see God do something real big. And you wouldn't see if you had all the blessings. I need somebody to hear me right here has got a youngin. You can give a youngin everything in the world and they'll want something more. But you take something away from that youngin and all of a sudden they'll start loving you again. I need somebody to hear me. I know how that works. Boy, you give that young and everything they want, they'll despise you. But you take something from that young and all of a sudden, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, you're my favorite. Daddy, you, you, Daddy, if you just give me my phone back. No! Is everybody all right? That's what you need to tell youngins. Everybody practice that with me. Everybody say no on three. One, two, three. It is okay to say that to a kid. Thought y'all needed to hear that. We practiced it a lot at our house. <laughs> Ain't it right? Zachary, say dad. No. Did you, how many times did you hear that? A lot. <laughs> Didn't he? Uh-huh. First thing, daddy. No. Well, you ain't even heard yet. I ain't got to hear. You ain't getting it. I don't care what it is. You're not getting it. Teaching you a lesson. Everybody all right? Her Lord, her faith was restored. But I notice this, her name was restored. See, in the first chapter it got so ugly that Naomi thought God had turned his back on her and she said, don't call me Naomi, don't call me blessed. I'm bitter. And there's somebody that's sitting in this auditorium right now and you bitter. Things didn't work out the way you wanted them to work out. It was supposed to be better than this. I trusted God. I've done everything God's asked me to do. I got saved and thought my life was going to get better. I got saved and thought I was going to get a better job. I got saved and thought I was going to get more money. I got saved and thought I was going to get a new vehicle. I got saved and thought the blessings of God are just going to be poured out on me. And now I sit here with less than what I had when I got saved. Don't call me blessed. God's afflicted me. Call me bitter. You don't even realize what God's doing for you. It's a chapter of redemption, but it's a chapter of restoration. God restoring her faith. God restoring her name. God restoring her legacy. It was over. Nothing beyond. Husband dead. Two children dead. Nothing. No further. God gave her a little Gentile girl who loved her better than any son. The Bible says she has loved, Ruth loved her better than any child could love her. I'm sorry, that was holy water. I spit right on his face while I was preaching. Sorry, right, I'm gonna get over here. Y'all need it too, all right? Some of that anointing. <laughs> her legacy was over. And God gave her. God gave her something. Nobody, is everybody with me? God gave her something nobody else could give her. God gave her a son. That son, by the way, was a grandson. His name was Obed. Obed's important. Because he was the father of this kid named Jesse. 
Jesse had an important part in the Bible because he was the father of this, this little ruddy boy named David. <laughs> and David, you see, David is the one that Jesus said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to sit on his throne. See, this was a little Ruth. This was little Ruth, little Moabite, a little Gentile. Had no business being in anything, but yet you and I find her in the lineage of our Messiah. God said, Naomi, it may look bad right now, but I'm doing some things in your life. I'm doing some things that you know nothing of. I'm doing something right now showing the rest of the world that there is a Redeemer that's coming. He's going to be a near kinsman. He's going to be willing. He's going to be able, and He's going to pay the full price. And He's going to give her an inheritance that she never would have got in Moab. Oh my goodness, I'm going to go over here and say it over here. I'm going to give her an inheritance she never would have got in Moab. It's a story of restoration. But it's a story of rejoicing. Because as we read further down in the chapter, chapter number four, Naomi, who had a husband taken from her. Naomi that had a son named Melon taken from her, a son named Chilion taken from her, has now handed a little baby boy. <laughs> I need somebody. Y'all better help me right here. I need somebody to hear this right here. That little baby boy is a grandson, and them grandsons are a lot better than them sons. <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody's saying wows because you ain't got a grandson. I need somebody to help me. Them granddaughters, a lot better than them daughters. Although KK is my favorite right now, for sure. She, she's always been my favorite daughter. But right now, she's my favorite kid. She brings, she brings Dad Red out on Sunday mornings. I need somebody to help me. None of them boys do that junk for me. But you take that little, little grandbaby, Wyatt, Westland. Naomi was handed that little boy, Obed. And all the people of Bethlehem, Judah, said, Naomi, you sure are blessed. Naomi, I know it looked ugly coming out of Moab. I know it looked ugly when you didn't have your husband walking back with you. I know it looked ugly when you didn't have your two boys walking back with you, but look at that boy you hold your hand. And know this, as much as you had to go through, that little boy is in redemption's plan. For see, he'll be the grandfather of the greatest, kid, or the greatest king that ever reigned over Israel. And through his lineage... I'm going to bring a Messiah, a, a kinsman redeemer just like Boaz that's going to redeem not only your family, but the whole world. He's going to come. He's going to pay the price for the whole world. He's going to go to a cross and he's going to hang on that cross and pay the price to buy back all of mankind. The story doesn't end in chapter number one. Somebody need to hear that this morning. As ugly as it is, the story is not done. God's not done in your life. Preacher, but I've lost so much. God's not done in your life. God's not. Everybody, do this right here. God's not done. As long as there's air still going in them lungs, look at me. He's not done. There's another chapter to be written. And you and I don't control that chapter. God's got it. He's got, he knows what's best for us. I need somebody to hear me right here because you're thinking he don't. But he's working all things together for our good. 
what seems ugly in chapter number one, God's, God's working all the bad stuff in chapter number one together with all the good stuff of chapter two and three to bring us to chapter number four, a story of redemption, a story of restoration, a story of rejoicing. God's been good to us. Say, preacher, you don't know what I've gone through in my life. God's been good to us. Don't get bitter on God. Don't get upset. The book's not over. Chapter number one, it was rough. Chapter number two, it might not start off like you want it. But God's not finished. There's some of us, can I get a witness right here? Some of our greatest mistakes led to our greatest blessings. I'm going to say it over on this side because I had a good number over here that agreed with this. Some of my greatest mistakes, my worst mistakes, led to some of God's greatest blessings. Not because I had it all figured out. (laughs) Because God worked all things together for my good. Didn't mean all things were good in my life. Just meant God worked all things together for my good. Wonder how many of you come down to the altar this morning. We're in a place real close to bitterness. Things don't go our way. God didn't do it like we thought he should. We start blaming God. We start looking at God as if he failed us. But God's not finished. He's not written the last chapter. And in Naomi's life as ugly as chapter number one was, chapter number four is the most beautiful chapter in the Bible. Say, but Jesus is not mentioned. Oh, if you can't see Jesus in Boaz and you miss the book of Ruth. A Savior that loves you no matter how ugly it is. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Still places on the altar. Why don't you come? Preacher, it was supposed to be better. It was supposed to be better, preacher. It wasn't supposed to be like this. God's not finished. He's not done. He's still working out the details of your story. But in your story, I want you to know this. <laughs> Just like Ruth, there's a kinsman redeemer. There's one in your story that's next of kin that came to redeem you, to purchase you, to buy you back. If you sit in the building this morning, you say, Preacher, if I died right now at this moment, Preacher, I do not know if I go to heaven or if I go to hell. If that's you, I want you to be honest with me. Nobody else is looking around. If that's you, I want you, if you're on the floor, I want you to look right up at me. Preacher, I do not know if I died right now, if I go to heaven or hell. Just look right up at me. Nobody else is looking. It's just me. I just want to know how to end the service. If you're up in the balcony, I want you to just raise your hand. Just lift it up. Preacher, I do not know. If I died right now, preacher, I do not know if I'd go to heaven or hell. Is there anybody like that on the floor or in the balcony? And this morning, let's rejoice. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. God, for a kinsman redeemer. Lord, I'm thankful for your love for me, a Moabite, a Gentile. No, no, no right to any of your promises. Yet, God, you love me. 
You knew me, and yet you love me. God, you knew me, and yet you still came to a cross and died for me. Lord, to purchase me back, to redeem me. Lord, this morning, in a crowd this size, Lord, I'm, I'm well aware there may be somebody that is sitting here with doubts. Somebody that thinks their good works, their kindness to others, their, their good deeds to others is something that you take merit in. God, they don't fully understand that if it was up to our good works and if it was up to our kindness towards others, your son never would have had to die on a cross. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that your word would do just what it says in Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 12. It'll divide asunder the soul and the spirit. Take our emotions out of it. Take our will out of it. Split that thing. Lord, show us spiritually, supernaturally our need, Lord, for a Savior. Lord, by faith in your word, I pray today we'd be saved. God, I pray you touch our congregation. Lord, it's a time of thanksgiving. We've gathered with family. We're reminded in family, in times of gathering with family, sometimes we're reminded of all those mistakes of chapter number one. Sometimes gathering with family, Lord, those old wounds come back. They're opened up. Lord, Satan has a way of Lord, getting us to question your love for us has a way of getting us to, Lord, maybe even lay blame on you for some of our mistakes. God, I pray not a soul in here leave out of here bitter. God, I pray that we realize just how blessed we are. Lord, for those that are maybe in chapter number two, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd give them the fortitude to hold on to the last chapter, trusting that God will be a chapter of redemption, a chapter of restoration, a chapter of rejoicing. Lord, we love you this morning. I thank you for church. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for the spirit here this morning. Lord, I pray that you bless us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.